0: You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. My name's Andrew J. Mason, and today we find out how Coulter Reed uses Omnifocus. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Omni Show. My name is Andrew J. Mason. Today on the show, we have Coulter Reed, who is a longtime contributor to the forums. You can find him at Coulterreed.com, an amazing part of this community, very valuable thoughts about productivity in general. And we're here to hang out with him talking about how he uses OmniFocus today. Coulter, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Absolutely. I'm glad to be here.
0: My first interaction with you, I believe, was on your blog. There was a guest post by Rosemary Orchard who talked about a set of plugins that Kirk Clifton had created, and your blog was talking about how to template those or change those into iOS plugins, uh, which was fascinating. But then I found out as I delved a little bit deeper how big an OmniFocus you really were. Zoom us back out and tell us some more about your story and how you came across the Omni Group.
1: Okay. So I grew up in Wyoming. Not the part that everyone goes to on vacation. That's like the Yellowstone area up in the corner. I grew up in Southwest Wyoming, part that everybody drives through on their way to to someplace more interesting. I attended the University of Wyoming, graduated in 2000, and got my first job out of college and was laid off from that five months later, part of the dot-com bubble bursting. I got a job as a database developer for MCI WorldCom. And as part of their spiral into bankruptcy, they laid off all of their uh, contractors. And that was just in Colorado Springs. That was over 200 people um, in the one day. And yeah, there were a lot of people looking for work. I ended up working on a, an open source project, Fire. It was a messaging app that would let you do multiple protocols, AOL, Instant Messenger, MSN Messenger, Yahoo, ICQ. So you had one app that would do all of these. Did that for a while, made some connections. And 15 years ago, one of those connections uh, asked me to send send my resume. I spoke with an interviewer and got hired by a little fruit company out in uh, Cupertino to come write software for them. So that was 15 years ago. Still there. Still love it. And yeah, found out about the Omni Group. It might have been Kinkless GTD. Might have been the beginnings of it. I know that I use Kinkless. There was a phase where a bunch of us were looking for applications to track GTD, take it digital. And that was one of the options that came up. I was kind of the only one that I knew that was doing that. Others were using other apps. But there was something about Kinkless that I liked, even if it was just the sheer novelty of taking Omni Outliner, which had been written for just a completely generic purpose. And then here you have these scripts to just pivot the way that you're looking at your information and creating another application on top of Omni Outliner. And I, th- I thought that was just brilliant. And so, yeah, I, I started using that. When the OmniFocus public beta came out, I used that. And so between the fact that I had Omni Outliner, and I was a beta tester, and I was taking a night class, and so I got to use an educational discount on top of that. When OmniFocus shipped, I paid like 15 bucks for it. It was, it was ridiculously cheap. I've paid for the the upgrade since then, looking forward to OmniFocus 4 coming out. But yeah, I I got my foot in the door with OmniFocus, very cheap. I have tried probably most productivity apps that are out there. And every time I've tried another one out, I found myself always comparing it to OmniFocus. And I've always come home.
0: I love the story of how you're one of the original OmniFocus users. There's so much to impact, but uh, even from versions two, I, I remember seeing on your blog a lot of kind of breaking down all the interesting ways that people can be using OmniFocus. Yeah. So you, you've been doing that for a while. What portions of your life do you find yourself really using OmniFocus for?
1: So up front, one of the things I do not track with OmniFocus is anything for, for work, for the day job. They have strict, very strict rules about where you put work-related information and they do not like it going out onto servers that they do not control. So I have to have everything split between, I've got work tracked and then I have the rest of my life tracked. And OmniFocus has its fingers in the rest of my life uh, one way or another. I track, you know, just the personal development stuff, you know, kind of a broad, the broad category of Sharpen the Saw. The things I do so that I can do what I do better. And that's a, a tickler for me as much as anything, just so that as I'm going through and reviewing things, what um, kind of the first thing I come to is, oh, right, you know, what am I doing to improve myself to be a better Colter? I track the goals that I'm working on, um, at least the, the next actions for the goals I'm working on. I tried tracking the you know, like everything about the goal in OmniFocus. That didn't work out too well. There's a lot of information that goes along with a goal that doesn't necessarily fit in Omnifocus, but it tracks the next actions, you know, the, the the concrete steps that I can take towards the goals. I have open-ended projects set up for the different major roles that I have in my life as a husband and a father, family investor. There's enough you know, financial related stuff I'm doing, you know, that I was doing under the family role that I wanted to split that out um, on its own as a a coach doing the blog uh, for some of the different nonprofits that I've worked with, uh, things like that. The tasks that go in there are things that are not, they're not big enough to have their own project to be tracked, but there's still kind of a theme related to them. All all these one-offs have something in common that I want to be able to track them together because there's there's a theme there around it. And then you've got all just the one-off projects that come up and, and happen.
0: Now, yours is the first I've heard of this hybrid usage. I'm going to call it OmniFocus Plus, <laughs> <laughs> where you have this online, offline, paper OmniFocus combination. Talk to us about that.
1: So OmniFocus is the source of truth for all of the tasks that I have. But then when I go to to execute, part of the daily review is I come up with a plan for the day, and then I transfer what my plan for the day is into a paper planner. I grew up using, uh, using a Franklin planner and I still use a lot of those methodologies. I've already made reference to Sharpen Saw. I'm using the uh, Full Focus Planner by Michael Hyatt now. And that transfer of the tasks and the calendar into the planner, that's kind of the final filter of, okay, this is what I am committing to do. If it doesn't go on the paper, I'm probably not gonna do it. I still create the plan for the day in OmniFocus. So if I don't have my planner with me, I can pull out my phone and check, you know, the list for today of the things that I was prepared to do. So I still have that because that's one of the strengths of the digital side of it is it is ubiquitous and it's always there. You can access it from any device. But then the planner is the final, is where I execute from. I execute from the paper. I capture on paper. Paper is is just infinitely flexible. It can be whatever you need it to be. And so I'll capture things on there and then. The next time I do the, the daily review, I'll make sure I capture anything off of paper and get it back into the digital side, uh, which is the source of truth for most things. One thing that is the source of truth is on paper is the goals. I just use some, there's some space in the planner where you can have all of the information about the goals, including you know thinking about what the outcome is that you want and why you're doing this and how you're going to reward yourself uh, when you've accomplished it. The source of truth is the planner for that. But OmniFocus tracks the bigger picture. That's where all the planning happens. That's where a lot of the repetition, things I have to do on a regular cadence, that's where that happens. But yeah, using the two together because they each have their own strengths.
0: (laughs) that really reminds me of something I've heard David Allen mention that he does, where uh, there is the archival of events, you know, very digital, even sterile kind of feel, where it's just, this is what happened, here are the facts, and then there's also this uh, journaling modality that he went into at the end of the day, where he's just kind of reflecting, and he would get a pen, uh, an actual pen and paper or a notebook, and he talks about this, where it's just a different mindset. Do you find yourself using this method to almost go into this, you know, is, is there something ritualistic about it?
1: Yeah, that's where it changes from an idea to a commitment at that point. You know, if it's still an omnifocus, it's still an idea. I might be seriously considering this idea, but when it goes on paper, and that's that's a commitment, it might still come off. I can renegotiate the commitment. But there is something about that process of even just slowing down and taking time to think of okay, this is what I'm doing today, because when you're just looking at a digital list. It's easy to sign up for more stuff than you actually have time to do. The fork, uh, the forecast view. Am I calling it the right yep, thing? that's it. Yeah, the, the forecast view and OmniFocus, where it pulls your calendar events in and it tries to show you everything in one view. If you have your tasks tagged and set up properly, you can kind of get "quote unquote" today's tasks in that view. But I find that it's not until I'm actually looking at the page on paper where I can see, okay, these are the meetings that I have. These are the blocks of time that I have had to set aside to work on something. And here are all of the crazy ideas that I had that I want to get done today. That's usually the point where I realize I only have 24 hours today and I would like to spend maybe eight of these sleeping. So some of the stuff is gonna have to wait. That's the point where that usually happens for me.
0: That phrase, here are all the crazy ideas of what I want to get done today. Just that level of thinking. I don't know if it's just digital tools in general, but sometimes there are just so many things I find myself over capturing to the point where there's no way I can finish it all in a day. That really does remind me of a story that was on your blog post. I know we had mentioned it before we got started to today. Do you mind retelling this story about Van Halen and the Brown M&Ms? <laughs>
1: So Van Halen was one of the pioneers of the big flashy rock concert. Uh, They did not have like, you know, just a couple of pieces of equipment. They had, they would completely transform the stage. They had a lot of heavy equipment. They had lights that they had to mount. You had to get power to those lights. And as part of the work, the preparation before the show, they would send you a big long contract with all of their detailed requirements. Like we need, you know, rigging that is this big. It needs to be able to hold this much weight. We need this many power outlets spaced six feet apart with, you know, this many plugs in each one. A lot of strict requirements. And this wasn't just them being pedantic. This was, there were safety concerns behind this because you have these large, heavy lights that you have to hang. And if this rigging, if the stage collapses during a show, the band is gonna get hurt. The audience is gonna get hurt. It's not gonna be a good experience for the, the promoter who's putting on the show. If the power goes out because they overload a circuit, then you know there's all these bad things could happen. And so in the middle of this huge contract, they inserted this clause that said, in the dressing room, there is to be a large bowl of M&Ms with no brown M&Ms in it. And And it, this is upon pain of forfeiture of the show. If we find brown M&Ms in this bowl, if the bowl of M&Ms is not there, if there is a bowl of M&Ms but it has brown M&Ms in it, then we have the right to cancel the show. We take your money, but we're not going to perform. That's how serious they were about this. And a lot of people dismiss this as, oh, those rock star divas, you know, and their weird and quirky demands. But no, the reason why they slipped this in there was because they wanted to see two things. First, did you read the entire contract? did you take the entire contract seriously? And that was just a real quick check so that they could walk in, they could walk backstage, they could check the green room, they could look for the bowl of M&Ms. And if they found the M&Ms and there were no brown M&Ms, then the promoter had taken all of their requirements seriously. And it was something something that they could could really, that they could check very quickly. If there were brown M&Ms or if there were no M&Ms, then they would stop things because they would have to go through and they would have to take a close look at everything that had been prepared. And there were shows that they canceled because of this.
0: (laughs) Forgive me if the audience thinks I'm crazy and my excitement level is just off the charts for (laughs) this, but this is so stinking crazy to me. This idea of the canary in the coal mine is is genius.
1: Oh, it, it was. Kind of makes me wonder, like, you know, who's doing that same sort of thing today?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I had a mentor in my life. He said something to the effect of the level of detail management that you can take on. That's as high as you're going to go professionally in life. Or in other words, you may care about the details, but to other people, if you don't handle your commitments well, it doesn't look like you care. Yeah. And so hopefully this is where we bring it back around since we digressed into the Van Halen and Eminem story. But is there anything like that for you? The canary in the coal mine that says it's a guardrail. Uh, my system hasn't overloaded yet, but these are the blinking warning lights, you know, the check engine lights that if I notice this, I know that things are going to go off the rails soon. I better take a look.
1: So one that I can point out just because I have learned to identify it in myself. So I do it more often than I want to admit. But if I ever catch myself thinking, okay, what do I need to do? And I'll start to check comedy focus. We check the planner and I'll catch myself and say, okay, that's good. But no, what do I really need to do? That's a big danger flag because that means that I'm starting to keep track of everything in my head. I've got two separate lists at this point. There's the curated list of this looks good of the things that you know that i need to be doing but then there's also these other things these hidden requirements on my time that for whatever reason i haven't wanted to write them down maybe it's just because they're they're boring or they're embarrassing i don't want the record of it but life happens and life has all of these little requirements and it takes time we can't split into two and have you know the person that takes care of the professional good looking tasks and the person that takes care of all these mundane little trivial tasks where we are only one And so we have to take care of it. It's a requirement on our time. And so we need to have everything down. If you try to keep track of the real task list in your head, you're going to forget about things. You're not going to be able to remember what you've actually done and what you still haven't done. So even when you do something, it doesn't bring any peace to your mind. You still have this list running around in your head because you don't remember what you've done and what you haven't done. Your brain wants to make sure that you don't forget anything that you still need to do. And it can't let go of anything. Yeah, your brain doesn't wanna forget about anything that you still need to do. And so it doesn't wanna let go of anything that you've done because it has a hard time telling the difference.
0: Oh man, the hidden requirements of my time. If you heard my keyboard clicking in the background here, it's because I'm actually taking notes. Uh, Colter, you (laughs) said, regardless of whether it's boring or embarrassing, but for whatever reason, I haven't written them down. Golly, that actually represents a significant system leak for me because there are things that I do that do require time that I don't track simply because the context or environment reminds me to do them. But if I'm not taking that time slot into account, then I have the potential to overestimate what I can actually complete in a day. Oh.
1: Yep, exactly. Golly,
0: that is good, Coulter.
1: Yeah, you might have it written down that you need to call a client. You know, that's an important thing you need to do. That is written down but you don't have it written down that you need to call and follow up on test results with the doctor. But the call to the doctor pushes out the time to call the client. And so, yeah, you're supposed to call the client at one, but you were still on the phone with the doctor. And so now you're calling the client late. And so that's how one of these little hidden requirements that we don't actually write down can start to push out the important things, the big rocks that we do have written down. You mentioned
0: Big Rocks. What about that as it relates to templating? Do you utilize any kind of recurring templating or uh, not so much or some sort of a blended solution? How do you handle the level of automation that shows up in your system?
1: I do a lot of stuff that is automated. Uh, I love the fact that OmniFocus has had a robust AppleScript interface for a long time. I, that goes back to 1.0. That lets you integrate it and do stuff. I, I have had a daily maintenance script that runs on a cron job at 6 a.m. every morning just to do some, some little daily cleanup things so that I don't have to, to worry about doing that every day. As far as the templating goes, I used to do it more, but I've been converting those more and more to, to AppleScript and now to OmniJS. And that goes back to paying rent. A couple of years ago, I couldn't remember if I'd actually paid rent for the month. And so I pulled up OmniFocus and I checked, and oh, there's a crossed off pay rent task. Good, great, I already did it. A couple of days later, the office taped a piece of paper to door saying, hey, you haven't paid your rent yet, now you owe us this much. Oh no, I had looked at the crossed off task from paying last month's rent, not this month's rent. And so at that point, I stopped using repeating tasks and templates so much, I started converting stuff more to programmatically repeated tasks. Where, so I could have it instead of just pay rent, it could say pay April rent, pay May rent. So I could tell the difference between these tasks because some things add, it doesn't really matter. Like every week I need to take, set the trash cans out. Okay, I'm not going to get confused about which trash cans it is that I need to set it out. But <laughs> but paying rent, there's an important distinction there. You know, which rent are we talking about? And so I've, I've been switching more and more stuff over to to being created by scripts just because then I can tell the difference at a glance, like, okay, which occurrence is this referring to?
0: You mentioned checking off the task at the wrong time and then falsely believing that it was done. There was actually a reverse of that situation, which was hilarious in uh, Gabrielle Collard's episode where she talks about uh, not checking something off and then feeling like she hasn't done it yet. And I think it was in regards to something she was trying to sell on eBay and accidentally tried to sell it twice. Um, (laughs) But uh, when it comes to that level of tearing off a fresh sheet of paper, you know, digitally just saying, "Okay, here's a new version, here's a new version. Yeah. Uh, are there any other aspects of your system that feel like they're unique? You really did kind of hit on that or touch on that so far, but what else might be unique to your system that the standard OmniFocus user might not be aware of?
1: Sure. So one of the things that I do that I've had a number of people comment on is the main way that I tag stuff is with temporal tags. Because the point of GTD is that you're focused on, okay, here's the task that I need to do. what are the resources that I need in order to accomplish this task. Well, when David Allen wrote the book, you didn't always have a phone in your pocket. You didn't always have a computer accessible to you. So a lot of those original GTD-esque contexts don't make as much sense today. But the one resource that you do have to think about is the time. When am I going to do this? And so I use tags in OmniFocus to set up like, okay, what am I going to do this month, next month, in September, in October, in November? What am I going to do this week, next week? What am I going to do today, tomorrow, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? So I I can take a task and I can assign it specifically to to a specific day that I'm going to do it on. And I try doing this with, you know, using the due dates and the defer dates, but those already have meaning. A defer date is simply, it's not available up until this point, and then I can start working on it at any point. It doesn't have to be that day. It can be any point after that. A due date is a deadline. If I don't get it done by this date, there will be some penalty. There will be a negative consequence that comes, that comes about because I didn't get it done. And as soon as you use the due date, which is why I see most people do, as soon as you use the due date for anything else, like, oh, this is, the, this is the day that I want to do, D-O, do this task on, you have completely destroyed the meaning of the due, D-U-E, due date. And you can't trust it anymore because then any given task, when you look at any given task, you don't know whether that due date is the deadline or if it was just when you were planning on doing it can you push it back safely or not? You lose that. And so I, I spent some time thinking about this and I realized that you know one of the things I really loved about the Franklin Planner is that I could flip forward to a, a future month and I could say, okay, in, in October, I want to do this. and I just write down the master task list for that month. Or when I sat down to plan the week, then I could say, okay, I'm going to do this on Monday, i going to do this on Tuesday, this on Thursday, and spread out the tasks over the week. And, you know, and that way, That way I can make sure that I have that each day is kind of balanced and I'm not overloading everything on one day. I do a lot of weekly planning. That's kind of the primary way that I plan. And then the daily planning is just a quick check-in. But with the weekly planning, I have a tendency to say, oh, I'll get excited and say, okay, I'm going to do all of these things on Monday. And I might finish that list of tasks up by Wednesday because I just get excited. I get ambitious. I, I, I just oversubscribe myself. And so if I can look at the week and just kind of spread those out more. So that I'm not trying to get everything done on Monday, then I have a more more sustainable plan. And so by setting up these temporal tags, it kind of turns OmniFocus into a tickler file where, you know, going back to GTD concepts, uh, it turns it into a tickler file where I can say, okay, I'm going to do this. I have accepted this task. It's an idea still, but I think I am going to work on this task at this point in time. As the tags get closer, I start rotating the tags while those tasks gradually come up closer. And I can drop something into OmniFocus that I'm gonna do six months from now, and then it will bubble its way up through the tags and it'll get done.
0: Now, I'm curious, do you mind getting a little bit more granular about the tags? Is that in reference to a relative uh, segment of time, today, tomorrow, or is that like a specific date, You know, October 22nd, and there's a tag for 2021?
1: So the granularity, the closer it is, the more granular it is. And so this week is, you know, is a tag itself. Like I want to do this at some point this week. And then underneath this week, I'll have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as well as tomorrow. Because it's nice to be able to say, yep, I'm going to do this tomorrow and just put things there. Don't have to think about like, what what day is today? What day is it? Uh, I said, no, I'm going to work on this tomorrow. And then similarly, you know, I've got this week and next week, and then this month, next month. Um, I have you know 12 holders or 12 tags for each month underneath next month. And then you know, same thing for you know this quarter, next quarter, fourth quarter 2021, uh, first quarter 2022. I don't go more than a year out on any of these because other than you know, then it's we're we're getting into someday. But there are things that we do on a annual cadence that we do need to track. Like you know, we pay our car insurance premium twice a year. And so that goes out, that goes out in in November is the next one and then it'll, it'll bubble up.
0: That is a really cool way to approach this. I love how um, you know metaphorically you're flying over the clouds and things are fuzzy and hey, that's six months from now. And then as you're getting closer to really landing down on the runway, it's like, we've got to be specific about that. We've got to put the landing gear down and nail down a date.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah, I mean, six months out, you know, I don't know what day-to-day is going to look like six months out. I don't, know, I don't know the details of what's going on. I have an idea of what a typical goal well, six months out, January. I know what a typical January looks like, but I don't know what January 2022 is going to look like specifically. And so, yeah, it it, it makes sense. You know, like, yeah, this is going off, you know, six months from now. And then once you get closer, that's when you need to start making the decisions. So, that, OK, what day exactly am I going to do this?
0: I love this question. We ask it all the time, especially in the OmniFocus arena. But uh, what advice do you have for that beginner? You know, that person that's listening to this saying, OK, tags are great. Brown MMs, love them. <laughs> uh, but I haven't even started with task management. OmniFocus is a relatively new concept for me. Uh, how do you suggest somebody just kind of start things off?
1: Do not start with Apple scripts that are triggered on cron jobs um, (laughs) to try to automate your system. Do do not start there. You will, you will get to that point. Maybe if if you're depending on how nerdy you are, start where you are. I mean, kind of the, the two-edged sword of OmniFocus is that, yeah, it is, is a very powerful tool. You can organize your tasks in many different ways. It has a lot of features. You don't need to use every one of those features right out of the gate, you know, just open it up for the first time. Dump what's on your mind into the inbox and then sort it. Maybe create two or three projects to group things together. Otherwise, just say, yep, I've thought about this. I'm going to do it. Move it out of the inbox. Even if it doesn't have any more structure than that, get it out of the inbox. Create one or two tags just to see what they're like. And then, you know, but don't worry about custom perspectives or anything like that. Just get a feel for the app. You know, start where you are and let the complexity of your OmniFocus system grow as you start using it more and you start to see what works for you. You can look at you know blog posts and look on YouTube and get an idea for what other people are doing. But a lot of it is that's what's worked for them. Now, maybe that'll work for you, maybe not. But don't feel like you have to jump in and use every one of the features right out of the gate. Most people, I would say, you know, start with the basic license to OmniFocus. Unless you have a very specific plan for a specific feature of OmniFocus Pro, stick with the basic. Don't overwhelm yourself with everything that Pro can do. Keep it simple because the best tool to track your productivity, uh, track everything you need to do, the best tool is one that you're going to use. Don't get OmniFocus and unlock everything and put everything in it and then get scared of it so that you never want to touch it again. You don't want to open it because of overwhelm. Create a tool that you're
0: gonna use. That's so good. You know, just wanting all the time, you know, we have these grand ideas and overload our systems and I wanna do this and we can do that and sky's the limit because of productivity and therefore I I can accomplish anything. And over time realizing, oh my gosh, I've created Frankenstein here. Now I'm afraid to look at these lists. I know that's a mistake. Talk to me about any other mistakes that either you personally have made or you see being made all the time in the area of either OmniFocus or task management.
1: Okay. So, so running with that ball, putting everything into OmniFocus. I've tried tracking habits in OmniFocus and it doesn't work real well for that. Right now I'm using strides for habits. It is an application that is purpose built for tracking habits. It's not a general purpose task manager. Those are two different things. Another thing that OmniFocus does not do well is if you have to share the information with somebody. A specific example of something I recently did that I did not use Omnifocus for was a couple of weeks ago. We took a trip to Tahoe, and this was largely my kids' idea. They wanted, it, and so I wanted to have involved them in the planning process. And if I were the one planning the trip, then yes, I would have put it in Omnifocus, set up everything I need to do, and taken care of it in Omnifocus. But my kids don't use Omnifocus yet. And so I just grabbed a sheet of paper and wrote, Tahoe vacation across the top of it, put on some check boxes and some lines and then sat down with them and said, okay, these are the things that we need to do to get ready for our trip to Tahoe. And we wrote everything down and who was going to do it. And then this was something that I could sit down with them and review and get them excited about getting ready for the trip and help and helping to get ready, being involved in the process and seeing what goes into it. Something else that I have realized... I can't keep in OmniFocus is the someday maybe list. A lot of people do it. It's very common. You just have a project that's on hold that's, you know, someday maybe and things go into that, but I see it too often. And I'm constantly reminded of like, oh, right. I, I wanted to do this at one point. And then I'm finding myself constantly reevaluating it. Like, okay, do I still want to do this? And I'm, I'm trying to make too many decisions over and over again on it. And so I've had to move the someday maybe list out of OmniFocus. It's in, um, uh, I've got a, an Omni Outliner document for that. Now that I can check when I want to specifically check the someday maybe list. But until then, I'm not accidentally bumping into these tasks and spending mental energy trying to make, you know, make these decisions over and over again. The third most common mistake that I see people make is when everything's important, nothing is you know, either just, you know, flagging everything. Cause like, oh, this needs my attention. This needs my attention. Or, you know, every, you, or you're looking at a list with 21 items on it and 20 of them are overdue. And I'll ask them like, you know, are these actually overdue or did you just want to do them? Like, oh no, I, I just needed to do them. Like, you know, I wanted them to nag me to get them done. And so I'll ask them like, okay, do you have any idea when these tasks are actually due? And they don't <laughs> because because they're, they're, they're artificially moving the deadline up just because they want to try to give themselves you know, a little bit more accountability to get them done but well it's not working because you've got a list of 20 of these things that still stay there
0: that's right yeah it's well intention <laughs> but no, you know now you've got this false sense of urgency and the sea of red and oh my gosh i'm yeah. overwhelmed
1: it's got your attention great but what are you doing about it
0: uh, and that's the challenge uh coulter how can folks get uh in touch with you if they're interested in connecting with you or seeing what it is that you're up to how can they do that
1: so um if you want to know what I'm up to, go to cultoread.com. That's my website. Um, you got the blog there. If you want to see what I'm doing on YouTube, there's a little YouTube link up there. I'm working on a course right now. I just started filming a course on how to create a personal mission statement. I'm calling it a personal compass to help guide you toward, you know, to make sure that you're taking your life in the right, you know, in the direction you want to take it. You know, information for that will be there. So everything's at cultoread.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. So if you want to reach out and say hi, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Coulter, thank you so much for your time. We are honored to have you a guest, and I know our community is going to have so much huge value out of this.
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Andrew.
0: Hey, and thank all of you for listening today as well. Hey, we're curious. Are you enjoying the shows? Are you enjoying learning how other people are using Omni software and products to get things done? Drop us a line at the Omni Show on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you there. You can also find out everything that's happening with the Omni Group at omnigroupcom blog.